everybody, Beth We in the studio. We're talking about shame again, shame in the family. This is part two of a podcast series. So if you didn't listen to part one, you might want to get started there. Uh, but shame, it's, it's a funny thing. It leads to self-sabotage. At least 95% of the people in America grow up with the scars left from family dysfunction. Some of those scars exhibit as shame. Shame is self-talk. But it's not based on what you think. It's based on what you think other people think and how you responded to that. It comes from outside of us, and it's perceptual. But we make beliefs, core beliefs sometimes, and we live our lives based on those core beliefs of shame. How do we eradicate them? What can we do? If you're wondering, am I, is she talking to me? Do I know shame? I'll give you some thoughts of some of the shame-bound people that I've met. Um, I'll be speaking in the eye. This is, see if you identify with any of these statements. You know, I'm not able to let go if it's not done perfectly. I got to keep at it. I'm a good guy overall. I just lack guts. Even though I love you more than I can express, I need you to give me more space. Um, I don't like to have sex with the lights on. I act angry when I feel hurt because it separates from me from you faster. It makes you get away from me. My mom loved me. She just didn't show it well because of fill in that blank. You know what, Beth? I don't want to look at all this. Could we just skip this? <laughs> yeah. Those are some of the thoughts of people that are shame-bound. The shame-carrying person believes themselves to be seriously flawed, as if they don't have any self-worth. They, they want to fight or they want to flee. Sometimes they freeze. But here are some of the repercussions of living with shame and not looking at it, and not working on it, and not trying to let it go. You ready? Number one, some people have a failure of self-esteem. It's hard to feel confident when you've never lived with honor. Many people that are shame-based don't know their talents and their assets, and they don't know how to stand up for themselves. They just never looked at it. Boundaries are non-existent or at best fuzzy because there's no interaction so that boundaries become unnecessary. The second thing, the shame-bound people can become an offender or a victim or more likely one who vacillates between those two roles. When something happens to make the shame-bound feel shame again, they may take it out on someone else as rage or fall back into the victim role. Now, why would you pick the victim role? Believe it or not, the victims think the reward of that role is sympathy, self-righteousness, and martyrdom. For the offender, 
They get momentary revenge and they feel a little thrill of power. For the third one, a, a shame-bound person has difficulty with intimate relationships. He doesn't want anyone else to find out how inept, worthless, how big of a fake he is. You fill it in. It seems too risky. Shame is a call for love coupled with the inability to receive it. The fourth thing, a shame-bound person is commonly depressed. Stuck between anger and grief, the worthless one isn't important enough to get really angry or to come to believe that they matter to anyone else. There's a great sense of loss, and the loss is of the valued self. Without the model of respect and nurturing, the depressed one cycles back to despair regularly. The fifth type, the fifth repercussion of the shame bound. Shame carriers are often controlling, rigid, and perfectionistic. They still believe the lie that if only they measure up to a certain standard, they would be worthwhile. The control fills the gap of not having a sense of love that they've ever felt. In his or her view, love is conditional. When someone receives or accepts them as they are, they will become someone who is never satisfied with their performance. They will judge themselves mercilessly because they real, really feel it is the order that is keeping their whole life moving forward. They feel it is the control, the, the, the idea, the perceived control, because we know you can't really control others. But the perception that they have some influence will keep them on that road. The sixth repercussion of the shame bound will create an image that's pleasing to others since they have no sense of self. You know, I used to tell a story that when I was young, I would meet someone new and I would fill out a Rolodex card about them. And then I would file it away in my memory. And when I ran into them again, I would flip to their card and be a false self based on what that card told me that they liked because it made me feel lovable and indispensable to them, even though it was nothing to do with me. I was playing a role that I created to please them. Um, this person is more likely to worry about self-image than self-fulfillment. That's a real sad statement, guys. The seventh uh, repercussion of being shame-bound Many of the shame-bound are numbed out to life, and they do that as a way of coping with the chronic pain of re-experiencing shame. They don't know how to feel their emotions fully because they don't want to feel their emotions fully because that is scary. In their history, it was the emotions that always pushed them over the edge. So as shame grows, soul sickness grows with it because shame keeps reminding us that our base self is flawed and that it's not safe to trust other people. 
that's hard to create a life all by yourself thinking that you're not worth it. So what are we going to do with this shame? What are some solutions? The first one, know your truth. Quit sugarcoating the issue. What do you do when you re-feel the pain of shame? Be clear with yourself. Look at your default settings. What, what cycles do you keep repeating in your life? The second thing, guess, get honest with another person. John Bradshaw wrote about an interpersonal bridge in his books on shame. Um, he said that we developed this interpersonal bridge when we were babies and we needed to be a we to survive. We need, if you're here now today, and what I'm talking about is hitting all your bells, you need to redevelop that interpersonal bridge. You need to choose relationships well. Don't pick a person who has shamed you in the past. Pick someone safe. For some of you in 12-step, this could be a sponsor. For some of you seeking re religious outlets, it might be a pastor. For some of you who don't know where to turn, look up a good therapist that has family values in their, in their signage. <laughs> um, because getting honest with another person is really going to help. The third thing. I'm a believer in the 12 steps. Become part of a 12-step community. There's many 12-step groups that have nothing to do with alcoholism or addiction, if that is not what's run in your show. Al-Anon, CODA, um, Adult Children of Alcoholics. There's many other outlets where you can learn the 12 steps to wholeness and where you can become part of a community for support. Learning to become part of a community is going to be part of the healing that you need to do. When you go through the steps, you don't have to face things alone anymore. The 12 steps will help you develop that sense of community and know that you're not the only one that ever felt this way. The fourth thing I want you to do, write your story down. It will help you clarify the truth and grieve your losses. Journaling can and will change your life. The fifth thing, challenge your roles. Do you find fulfillment in all of them? If not, consider modifying them. You know, uh, when I said go to a 12-step group, well, make that your family for a while. Go find a place where you're safe and comfortable. Challenge the roles that you're playing. Number six, I'm going back to it. Get help, counseling. I'm a proponent of EMDR when dealing with shame work. It's a form of counseling that uses light therapy to help your mind release old memories. I know it sounds crazy. I thought it was crazy. And then I tried it and it helped me. Get help. The seventh thing, work on improving your spirit life. I have some real basic ways to do it. You need to know solitude, not isolation, not hiding out from people. Solitude, going to a place where you can be quiet, knowing that there's a higher power and that you're not alone. 
you need to reduce your distractions. Then you need to work on forgiveness. God, please don't hold them accountable for the wrongs they've done against me, real and perceived. Say that prayer. Think of the people who shamed you in the past. Forgive them so that you can let go of that shame. By forgiving them, you are opening the door to new life. You know, hang out with people who emulate the mindset you want. Stick with the winners is what some people say. Go to people who have what you want. Hang out with them and ask them how they got there. Next thing, self-examination. You know, people that do a daily self-examination gain wisdom. You need wisdom. Wisdom will help you combat shame. Self-examination daily. It doesn't have to be hard. List three things. What are my three wins today? What were my three losses? What, what did I do well? What could I have done better? What did I do? Here's three things. What did I do for myself? What did I do for others? What did I do for God? Write those down. But quantify your daily existence. Self-examination will heal you. The next one is prayer and meditation. Get in contact with the higher power. There is one who has all power. I do hope you find him now. But here's the deal. Seek. It's not in the finding that always the healing comes. Sometimes in the seeking, the higher power really blesses. And then the last thing is look at your belief system. You can overhaul it with affirmations. Write some I am statements that make you feel uncomfortable and then look at yourself in the mirror and say them. I had a friend who wrote in lipstick on her bathroom mirror, I am enough. And every morning and every night when she brushed her teeth, she looked at that statement while she looked at herself. And one day she came to believe it. Dealing with family shame is a big issue. You're going to need some help. I've requested you to look into counseling over and over. There are even mental health associations that can help you if you don't have the money for counseling. But first things first, believe it. You are worthwhile. Take the time to do the healing work. I promise you, there is a higher power. He will guide you to what you need to become happily and usefully whole. It's time to take addiction out of the shadows and shine the encouraging light of recovery on everyone affected. Good Seed Podcast is powered by BethWE.com, a nonprofit ministry based in Vero Beach, Florida. We'll start the uncomfortable conversations that turn despair into hope and complacency into action. Connect, communicate, and thrive with us. Check us out online at BethWE.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk again soon.